The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And he had some things that he told me about that he said he regretted. But when we talked about that regret, he talked about regretting the time he spent in prison, but not regretting the harm he did. He figures he came out ahead. It's not a very sympathetic position. Now, if I'd asked him, did you regret harming people? He might have said the expected answer, but we actually didn't go there. He was, he was kind of considering for the first time, really. Maybe not the first time, but it, it was unfamiliar to him to think about, how do I feel about things? How do I feel about my life? So I'm going to tell you that I was charmed by him. Charmed. I could see his stumbles and recognize my own stumbles. They had the same flavor. I could see how his suffering could be my suffering. Even even behind his, uh, his COPD and his lung cancer, which is what he's suffering from, you know, I had pneumonia a couple of weeks ago, and I, I know that feeling of not being able to breathe. You know, I was right there with him. And it was interesting to find myself in that space with this person. I was reminded of myself. I could see myself in this person. I was repelled by some things and attracted by others. I could feel my body, as I was talking to him, I could feel my body grow rigid. I could feel it relax in response to just what I was hearing from him. When he was telling me about his regrets, he said he actually was blessed. He was blessed that he hadn't lived up to his potentials and his skills and his talents that he kind of squandered them, but he turned out, you know, in pretty good space after all. And he was grateful for that. He's a little bit like the guy where the, the lightning struck right to the left of him. You know, the, I, I, I know that edge. I know that edge of, whew, boy, that missed me. That could be me. I can relate to that. When I was ill... One of the things I noticed was that I would have this feeling of anxiety, free-floating anxiety. It was, I couldn't really attach it to anything. I'm anxious because of this, just anxiety. And what I noticed about it was that it was really unfamiliar. I am not familiar with feeling anxious. That was new. That was different. That wasn't me. I said, this doesn't feel like me. Because I'm used to thinking of myself a certain way. All the mind habits of my life and the stories I tell myself about myself don't add up to I'm an anxious person. But I've done enough practice to know that this is just a mental trick. This is just what my mind is used to. I'm not the person I think I am either. 
know, I would still sit here and say, I'm not an anxious person. What would you say about yourself? I'm this way. This is just the way I am. Have you ever heard yourself say, this is just the way I am? It is a mind habit that has to do with, this is how I approach the world, and we reinforce it all the time. So why is that important? When I reflect on some of the things I've done in my past life, I'm not proud of some of them. Now, I didn't have the intention of harming people. I just didn't think about it. I was thinking about something I wanted or something I didn't want. I wasn't thinking about whether it caused harm. That just wasn't on my radar. I just wasn't looking there. But it turns out that why we're doing something is where the rubber really meets the road. The, this, is what, this is what leads to what comes down afterward. This is what we call kama or karma. It's the conditions we set in place for what happens next. Karma is a, a, a Sanskrit word that means action. It has to do with action. But an important part of that is what is it that motivates the action because that's what brings karma to fruition. So most of the time, we're pretty unconscious of our motives. You know, I'm going to go to the grocery store because we need food. And you know, probably we do need food. But I may also be going to the grocery store because I just have to get out of the house. Or I'm going to the grocery store because I want you to know that I always have to go to the grocery store. You never offer to go to the grocery store. Or I'm going to get food because I want you to like me and I'm going to get your favorite food. And this is a contract that's all happening in my head. And all of these motivations may be true. And they're not judgments about those motivations, but the outcome of those motivations can be quite different. And how we relate to those motivations creates the conditions for what comes next, for what follows. This is what karma is. Each intention in the mind is powerful. It has energy. It creates what's going to happen. If we're unaware of the motives, it's very possible for us to act in very unskillful ways happens all the time. We have the human drive for safety, for happiness. And so when we see something we want, we want it. We don't necessarily stop and say, what else is here? What else is going on here? So, you know, I like the color, choose a color, rust. I like the color rust because One time when I was wearing that rust jacket, I really felt good, and this person was really nice to me, and every time I see rust, so pretty soon rust is my favorite color, and I'm building up a story about how important rust is to me based on something that grew out of something I wanted. But it's all unconscious. When we spoke a few minutes ago, we talked about trying to pay attention to that space around us so that we notice our reactions to what we experience, 
what we see, what we know about it, what stories we're telling ourselves about it. Karma has the effect that when we act, something arises out of that. We're setting up the conditions for the next moment. But also, in the motivation for that action, we're setting up the quality of mind that we're living in right now. So if we act in a generous way or we have generous thoughts, we'll notice, oh, that makes me feel warm and I'm happy with that. And we say, well, I want more of that. And that becomes a habit. Every time we notice this, it becomes a habit for us. And we have reinforced that way of being, that way of generosity, that way of kindness. Conversely, I am so tired of that person. They're taking me for granted. I'm tired of being taken for granted. And we start defending ourselves. And we get in the habit of defending ourselves for how we feel. And we're building, we're self-conditioning ourselves to this icky feeling of resentment. And we're conditioning the next moment to feel the same way. What we need to do is notice what's true so that we don't reinforce what is unskillful and we do reinforce what is skillful. Just by noticing, knowing that we know something. Oh, so a resentment arises. Ooh, resentment. Hmm. Well, okay, I am resentful right now. I don't have to defend myself for being resentful. I don't have to push resentment away. But I can just let it kind of sit there and say, oh, that. Hmm. And I've broken the energy of creating resentment for the next moment. Does that make any sense? When we're aware of what's really true around us, we're not creating suffering for ourselves in the future because we would not choose that. We don't choose suffering for ourselves. So, if you've had a day where you've been running around fixing everything, I've got to fix this, I've got to fix this, I have company coming, I have to get to the grocery store, I have to pick up my grandson, I have to, all of these things I have to do. Pretty soon you can feel that anxiety level growing, 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 and you can say, okay, anxiety here, big fix need. What if I don't fix? Not for a long time. You don't have to drop everything in your life. But for this five minutes, what's it feel like not to fix what's going on? Just right now, 10 seconds. There's some freedom of that idea of who I am that is creating this suffering. Just a piece of time where I let go of it, I relinquish who I think I am long enough to feel that moment of freedom. It breaks the karmic chain. There are many points. I see, I like, 
I want, I need. There's a progression here. It can be broken anywhere. And we break it by seeing it, just seeing it, just allowing it to be true and saying, oh, I don't have to fight this. I don't have to grab onto this. But I see it. And I see what it is doing in my life, how it creates the conditions for the next moment in my life. When you're in an emotionally rocky state, maybe the most skillful response is to simply receive that you're feeling this at the moment. This is how I'm feeling right now with clarity, with sympathy. Not feeling sorry for myself, just, ooh, things are a little rocky right here. Hmm. Not having to change it, not having to be different. Just letting it be true. What happens if you don't follow a habit? What happens if you do? First thing is to notice the habit. So Ajahn Amaro said this, the effects of past actions can cause a particular tendency, a tendency. But the ripening of karma is never fixed. Over and over again in the Pali Canon, the Buddha tries to counteract the view that life is created according to an inescapable determined pattern. Karma preconditions our present experience, but what we do with that is entirely based on the choices we make. And the degree of wisdom, or good-heartedness, or greed, hatred, and delusion we bring to our experience in the present moment. We are all heirs to our own karma. No matter how we might wish things to be otherwise, things are as they are. May we see things as they are. May we see things arising and passing away with equanimity and balance. May you all be happy. Thank you.